Hi, I'm Melissa from the Northeastern Melbourne Integrated Cancer Service, and I'm here to introduce you to the A Common Path podcasts. We've created this podcast to support people who have completed their cancer treatment and those who are receiving ongoing maintenance treatment. The people appearing in this podcast have shared their experiences to provide support and advice to others about the strategies they use to help them to return to living well after cancer. In this first section, Initial Challenges, you'll hear about their reactions to finishing their treatment. For some, this can be a challenging time as you move from having a lot of contact with your medical team to less frequent follow-up appointments. One of the the challenges which I think most people probably experience when being treated with cancer is that when you finish treatment and you go back to your oncologist, you're feeling, you know, great, this is all done now. And, you know, you, in the back of your mind, you're really hoping, well, that's right, I've, I've done this. And, of course, the oncologist is never going to um, be anything more than uh, low-key and, OK, that's fine, I'll see you in three months' time. And so um, it's a re- that's a really challenging thing because you, you want to celebrate um, and yet you, the, the, you know, the, the message you receive, which is the right message, is that, you know, look, it's not over yet and, in fact, you know, this is going to go on for quite a long time. At the completion of my treatment, it was actually really strange. I, I felt really isolated um, because going from sort of a, a process of being cared and looked after and sort of feel like you're not important but people are fussing over you to all of a sudden having nothing was really difficult to sort of to adjust to and one of the one of the things I also struggled with was friends and family and even though with their good intentions because you start to look better they think that everything's okay and that you're better Um, so even though you may look okay on the outside on the inside, you've still got an enormous amount of work to sort of come up to speed. And that, and that changes with everybody. Everybody's story is different. And everybody, I suppose, takes different times to, to sort of get normal. Yeah, it is very difficult. You have that initial elation and thank God it's over. And then, oh, what do I do now? Um, and, and there's a sense of loss too. You, you lose the, the frequent contact with your consultant and your medical team and... Um, you, you just sort of, you don't know what to do next, what happens now, and you just have to go with the flow and allow your body to recover and it will recover at its own pace and you can't hurry it, you've just got to be as healthy as you can and it's quite difficult. In this section, Picking Up Life Again, you'll hear about some of the issues they faced when returning to their life and activities. Issues that we'll talk about include changes to their physical abilities, managing and building energy levels, managing emotional responses, and the importance of drawing on support systems. So I sat at home probably for another couple of weeks, exercise of about a 300 yard walk a day, which is quite a long way at that time, and just slowly built myself up, just spent every day just going out to do a little bit more, a couple extra steps every day, just to build myself up. Um, tried to get myself back to work. May have gone back a little earlier than expected. Um, but work were good. They gave me some duties that were 
lighter duties than normal. So uh, to try and get me back to work, which is a good for your mindset as well, getting back to, you know, the normality of life again. I got to, you know, six, seven months down the track and I'm sitting down for a meal one night where I'd probably have a small snack at it and push the rest aside and I'm sitting there thinking, I'm hungry. And my wife said, what are you, what's wrong with you? And she said, I said to her, I'm hungry. She goes, what do you mean? No, I'm hungry. I'm going to eat my tea. So I sat there and ate my tea. That was a major achievement to me. And to tell someone that, although you've been feeling lousy for six months and you can't see anything inside, there is a little light at the end of the tunnel that when it does hit, you'll know it. I, I sort of had a combination of retreat and, and a new zest for life. Um, in hindsight, I went back to work too quick, um, whether it was because I just wanted to prove to myself that I was OK, and also to prove to you know everybody else that I was OK. Um, but what I found actually when I went back to work, just adjusting back into the, the rigours of working a normal day, was extremely difficult. I returned to work uh, about six, seven months after, or seven or eight months after my initial surgery, um, part-time, because, only because, I, the only way I was able to do that was because I had a supportive workplace where I was a manager and they supported me and I was able to do light duties and things, but you know, I, I'd do a couple of hours and go and sleep on the couch in the consultation room and things like that. So uh, it wasn't a good idea to return to work. It was way too early. Having, uh, in hindsight, having the support of a, of a, a rehab consultant would have been best, um, which I have now. Um, I was way too hard on myself trying to get back into it, the you know, theories about not you know, getting back to work's the best thing. That's okay in the right situation. It's got to be appropriate to the to what you've been through. And for me, that wasn't. Once I started to feel well, I did go into depression, and um, it it was because I had obviously nothing. I, I couldn't focus on getting better anymore because I was getting better, and um, depression set in and. I had to see a counsellor, which I'm still seeing a counsellor. Um, I still continue to see the team um, of doctors and specialists as well, and they keep encouraging me to keep going and um, things will improve. And um, obviously support from family and friends too is very important and to keep, keep busy. In terms of intimate relation and sexual dysfunction, that really gets pushed back at the time you're diagnosed because you, your first reaction is you think you're going to die. But as you get through your surgery and as you get through your incontinence factor and everything settles down, the loss of intimate relationship impacts upon, upon I think, any couple, impacted upon us, and, um, and it still impacts a, a degree upon our relationship. In this section, what helped they talk about some of the things that helped to build their physical strength and ability, build their mental resilience, and also to return to family, work, and social commitments. There's gotta be some reason for you to get out of bed, have a shower and a shave, and then go and do something. And I make sure I do that every day. That's, that's so important. And getting back to physical exercise, uh, I think it's absolutely vital that you develop a physical exercise plan, uh, which is gradually increasing and more demanding on you, uh, in accordance with whatever your GP or your other advisors say. And I think if you can get that uh, together, then that's important. I think there's been a, a number of factors that have helped me. I think, first, my 
my belief in myself, exercise, doing as much exercise as I can, getting myself as fit as I can, um, eating well. Um, I'm no longer in the workplace, so I don't have a job which was a little bit stressful and that's out of my life now. So I have time now to, um, to, to put into other things like ex- 